Kane's Country podcast, wherein we are, if you're listening to this podcast today, it is released one day away from the beginning of the play and round between the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers. We have a guest on today that we'll talk uh, Rangers with. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but hello, my name's Brett Finger, and of course, with me this week is Andrew Schnicker. Andrew? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. It's great to have. We had Kane's Hockey back mm-hmm. yesterday a little bit with the exhibition game. We're going to have Kane's Hockey back in full on Saturday for a minimum three games. Hopefully much more than that, but it's a good time. It is a good time. Before we get to talking with Adam Herman from Blue Shirt Banter, um, let's talk about the exhibition game that you just brought up. The Hurricanes played the Capitals in their lone exhibition game, and they lost 3-2. to two. Um, Pierre Morazic got the start. James Reimer came in a little over halfway through and played the rest out. Uh, close game. Um, I'm not sure you're looking at results necessarily in a situation like that. You're looking more for for who's playing well, who seems to be on it. Uh, Andrew, I know both of us watched it, of course. Uh, takeaways from the one and only practice game that the Hurricanes have. Well, I think I'll start with the biggest takeaway that you just mentioned with Mrazek getting the start and then Reimer coming in. Stole the uh, show. Yeah, I... I it's funny, I ended up kind of foreshadowing this with my things I'm watching when I talked about both goalies, you know, and I talked about Reimer having an argument um, with his better numbers in the regular season, the way he's kind of been really good on the road all year, and and Mrazic, someone who feeds off the crowd. I think Reimer made that argument a whole lot louder in the game. Yeah. I don't Maybe he wants the first one back. I don't. Although it's an Ovechkin one-timer from the circle, what are you going to do? But I don't know that I think Barazic played horrible. His rebound control was a little shaky, but I'm not, I'm not sure there's anything he could do on any of the goals. It's just that Reimer came in and played so well, and I mean, I think the team played overall probably better in front of Reimer than they did Barazic. But Reimer had to make. Especially, um, there was a sequence of a delayed penalty and then a power play for the Capitals. Some really good stops in that game. He stopped all nine shots he faced. I think if you're if you're going to go on merit from that game, I think Ryan, I would not have expected to be saying this a couple days before the first game. I think Reimer's my guy in net going into game one. Yeah, uh, we both uh, pretty much, I think, uh, when we had Ryan on uh, last week as well, I think we were all pretty much saying that um, it would be Mrazek and Nett to start the series. And I think I think all of us have, have changed our tune. Obviously, we don't have Ryan here. But you and I have, have I think, changed the tune. And Having, having edited Ryan's um, about last night takeaways from – Last night's game, I can assure you he is with us. Okay, so very good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's 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 funny how that how that changed. And again, you said it pretty well. I mean, it it wasn't about Morazic looking terrible or anything. Like, I, there wasn't like he's he's Peter Morazic. You pretty much got what you expected. Um, 
sometimes in a game like that he'll allow three goals sometimes he won't allow any that's just kind of how how he rolls and but when when James Reimer came in there was you know I think the team played better with Reimer in that whether that has anything to do with that or not I don't know probably not um maybe it's more about getting their legs under them and getting into the game and and kind of putting things together more in the second half they got the five on three goal um which was good um but I mean he was just so solid he he it's again it's like last year with the McElhaney thing he was very sturdy he wasn't you know kicking out a lot of bad rebounds or anything like that he was absorbing the puck he was he was making good decisions and against a team like the Rangers uh that's so quick and and has one of the best transition games in the league having that guy in there to slow things down I think would be a, a pretty valuable and smart way to go uh, if you're the Hurricanes for game one after after seeing that. Had Narazic, you know, played, you know, or had Reimer allowed a goal or two, I don't think, I think we're probably still thinking about Morazic, but just the fact that he played so well in his first game action since March, uh, I mean, he, he played really well. And I think... Coming in cold into the have, game, too. Yeah, uh, so I think you you have to recognize that, and this game is kind of being talked about as an audition of sorts for the goalies. And if it was, then Reimer won the audition because he was just really really good. Yeah, I would agree with that. Some other things I noticed. Speaking of audit, I thought, I mean, he obviously he scores a lone goal, but beyond that, I thought Vincent Trocheck played mm-hmm. really really well. Very promising, um, yeah. A couple of guys in the bubble on both sides, kind of that bubble to make, not the bubble as in like the bubble, but the <laughs> roster. Bubble. Everyone's in the bubble. Um, right. But are, now, but um, who is on the bubble? Well, I thought Ryan Dezingle had a pretty good game. Um, you know, kind of going back to that being a little bit snake bitten in the regular season, he had a sequence early in the second when he had a re- one really good chance go through the crease and one hit the post. The other one I want to talk about, um, I really don't know at this point what more Hayden Flurry can do <laughs> to make a case to like play. Yeah, he played. Yeah. I thought he was. He might have been their best defenseman in that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think Jacob Slavin was up to his usual standard. I'll you know I'll chalk that up to him and Vatnin kind of getting used to each other. The whole defensive core got better as the game went along, but. You know, if you if you're playing Flurry, somebody's gonna have to play their offside. But I think that could potentially work with a guy like Brady Shea. But yeah, he just looked so good and so poised with his skating, and you know, Joel Edmondson took a couple penalties. That he is looked, not he, he looked rough, man. That is not something that you can have against the Rangers. We have hammered that point home in pretty much all of our preview content that. They need to stay out of the box in this series as much as possible. The other thing with Edmondson, I know he brings kind of that physical, more shutdown ability, but I don't think he has the foot speed to keep up with guys like Panarin and Zibanejad, and I think Fleury does. So the other big takeaways I think I have are Vincent Trocek look awesome. I think the, you know, getting a chance to be in camp and learn the system better benefited him a lot. And, uh, Free Hayden Flurry. 
Yeah, the whole Trocek line was good. He was with Fogel and Niederreiter. They were hounding the puck. They were pushing the puck into the offensive zone and keeping it there. That looks like a pretty good option there. I agree, Ryan Dezingle looked good. Uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a Ryan Dezingle game, though, if he looked good, but he didn't have the, the close calls and all that. Um, Brock McGinn, uh, Corey Lavalette tweeted that. Um, he, he kind of flew down the wing and fired a slap shot wide. He said that he's looking a little bit rusty when he's on on his game that hits the post. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah um, uh, the defense is definitely the more interesting uh, part of it. Um, I also thought Morgan Geeky looked pretty good um, for what that's worth. But for the defense, you're you're looking at a tough decision, and I think we're both on the same page with. I I just I can't. I can't really justify in my mind playing Edmondson above Flurry based on the play. Um, I don't think Rod's going to see it that way, and I think he's going to he's going to go with Edmondson because he's a veteran, because you know he's a more of a known commodity, and I think he probably trusts him a little bit more. But at this point, I'm I'm not sure I trust Edmondson more than I, than I trust Flurry, um, because again, Flurry's played so well, and. Look, I, I know Edmondson had had a good start and he had that offensive outburst. I I haven't loved his game, quite frankly. I didn't love his game down the stretch. I didn't love his game yesterday. I just I question whether he's he would be the right pick for for having that spot. Yeah, and I mean the thing is, you could play like the thing with that I would do with the top four that I think could work pretty well. As if you want to play Slavin and Vatanen together, and then Flurry on that and the left, and then you could move Brady Shea yeah, over to the right and totally play agree. With Flurry. I think that could be a good pairing, and then Jake Gardner's your guy on the left on the third pairing. TBR. And then if you want to choose Edmondson to play on the right of that pairing, you know, for his physicality and his leadership mm-hmm. over Trevor Van Riemsdyk, that's fine. I think I'm fine with either. Van Riemsdyk or Edmondson on the right side of that pairing, but I, Hay, Hayden Fleury's got to play. I mean, I think he, when you look at the way he played and the way he's been, not just maybe the best defenseman on the ice yesterday. There were games down the stretch of the regular season where I thought he might he's be that he might have been the team's best defenseman, and it looks like he picked right up where he left off with that. I think playing him gives you a significantly better chance to win when you look at what you're up against with this Rangers team. Yeah. Uh, if I was to decide on the lines or the deep pairings, I mean, if they're going to go with Slave and Vatanen, I guess, uh, I think Vatanen looked fine. Uh, he got better as the game he, went he on. Was, he was kind of as expected. Um, he loves shooting from the point. He has a good shot. You know, he, he's good at the blue line with the puck. Defense is iffy pretty much what what was advertised with him and what we saw from him in New Jersey and Anaheim earlier but uh, if they're going to do that then Slavin Vatanen then I agree totally with you Fleury and Shea as the second pairing they played together a little bit before the season got cut off I like their games together uh, even if Shea's on his offside so I, I think that's fine um, maybe that makes him a more dynamic player in the offensive zone which is what he's Shea- talked about 
Yeah, Shay, I, I asked Shay about that on one of the training camp Zooms about if he was happy about being able to go back to the left um, with guys getting healthy. And he said that, yeah, that was probably where he was most comfortable, but that he likes mm-hmm. playing his op, playing on the right side in the offensive zone, the way he can kind of walk the blue line and see everything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, so maybe it makes sense to put him on the right side with Flurry, and then I think the third pairing is Jake Gardner and one of TVR or, or Edmondson. Uh, so I'm with you on all that. I wonder. I, I just I don't think that Rod is going to be on that same that's, wavelength. I that's, just I just I don't that's think. What, that's what we think. I'm, I'm not sure that that's what Rod Brindamore is, is going to yeah, do. Yeah, that's what, I I don't think that's what he's going to do. I think he's probably. Unfortunately, I think Hayden Fleury might still be the odd man out, even though he doesn't deserve to be that. Because I think the way he's going to look at it is Joel Edmondson has been in the lineup every night all year. He won a Stanley Cup last year in St. Louis. He brings that physicality. Um, even though I personally don't, I I don't know, man. Maybe it's just me. I don't love the rest of Edmondson's game, and I, I he's, a, he, he's he, certainly not a very modern defenseman. Yeah, he. And that's the thing, though. Like at times, it fits well with with what the Hurricanes are doing, but other times, it it doesn't. Um, with with how they play, um, I just haven't been a huge fan of him systematically with the Hurricanes. The the physicality and the grit and stuff is all good. I really, you know, that's valuable. I think. And the thing with Flurry is, if if he can develop that part of his game, if he can be a little meaner, then. I think he's a perfect fit with with what the Hurricanes would want in that Joel Edmondson kind of category, um, and, and and to Hayden Fleury's credit, he's he's taken steps in that direction, uh, and if he continues to move that way, then I think he's going to be a really valuable piece, and even without that part of his game, he's a real valuable piece in my opinion. So, um, yeah, there was a lot to talk about from that Washington game. Um, the goal scorers were. Tavo Teravainen on that five-on-three. Sebastian Ajo made a great pass. And then, of course, Vincent Trocek put in the Jake Gardner point shot that kind of hung around the crease, and they had to review it because the net went off the moorings, and 30 minutes later they called it a goal. So (laughs) I think that's all we have for the Washington exhibition game. Now we're going to lead into a conversation with Adam Herman from Blue Shirt Banter. Um, It's a really good conversation. We talked about the Rangers systematically, how things match up, uh, goalies, Panarin, Zibanejad, everything. Enjoy. And welcome back. We have Adam Herman from Blue Shirt Banter talking about the Rangers ahead of this Hurricanes Rangers playing round for the playoffs. Adam, how you doing? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? I'm great. Uh, I feel like uh, the very common talking point entering the series is the very one-sided history between the rangers and the hurricanes obviously we've experienced it from from the unfortunate side of things you on the other hand Mm -hmm. have not so what have been your takeaways from watching the hurricanes and rangers play be it this year recent years yeah uh it's been interesting i I, it's funny because when you know you break down the games each game individually this isn't the rangers aren't dominating each game in the record would reflect i think there have been a lot of games where the hurricanes have been the better team and 
you know, uh, goaltending both ways has been, has been the difference. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I don't think that's particularly changed uh, right now, but, um, you know, if you were, if you were to just look at the record, you would think that you know, the Rangers are just driving play and just dominating the hurricanes. And I, I, I don't think it, that's the case. Um, so I think to some extent, the Rangers have been fortunate to, you know, in other ways, I think, uh, the, the hurricane style has played into the, the way the Rangers want to play. Um, so it, it's, it's definitely been one-sided, but especially going into this playoff series, I don't, I don't think it's, you know, maybe, maybe it gives the players a bit of a, a confidence boost and, you know, a placebo in that, in that sense, but I don't think it means much in terms of what's going to happen in this series. We got a chance to see both of these teams in action yesterday. The Hurricanes losing 3-2 to the Capitals in their exhibition game. The Rangers played theirs against the Islanders in a 2-1 loss last night. What were your takeaways from the Rangers exhibition game yesterday and seeing the team in action after so long off the ice? Yeah. Yeah, I you know, it, it's it's funny because obviously that they, they lost um and uh, that's obviously not good, but I, I think in a lot of ways it went a lot better than if they had won the game, you know, six three. Because I, you know, there there are no guarantees, but you have you have to believe that you know, Kenny Panarin is going to get his points because the the is going to get his points. You know, Adam Fox is going to get his points, and so I, I think you have to trust the offense is going to come. And I think the bigger concern is that you know, especially with such a long layoff, the Rangers aren't a team that's been structurally sound defensively um, this year to begin with. And then you have, you know, players jumping right into a playoff series after, you know, not playing together in systems and such for such a long time that I think that was the bigger concern. And I think for the most part, um, that looks pretty good against the Islanders. You know, um, they, they didn't give up too many uh Transition rushes, they weren't giving up dangerous shots and a thought. So, you know, in a lot of ways, I think that game was a lot more successful for them than if they had just, you know, won a goal contest. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how it translates into, you know, again, that actually matters. I think, you know, part of the problem is that, you know, it, it, exhibition games right before the playoffs or the play and whatever you want to call it, but. Um, I think a lot of guys were not trying to get hurt. So maybe, you know, guys aren't um, engaging in board battles the same way. not diving in front of shots to block them. But nonetheless, I think generally speaking, you have the Rangers should feel pretty good about what transpired for them. One of the big areas that really hurt the Hurricanes during the, the regular season against the Rangers is New York's transition game. They have speed. Mm. They, they push the puck so yeah. well up ice. And when the Hurricanes are a heavy four-checking team, that can work against you in a lot of ways when you're when you're playing yeah. a team like that. Um, you wrote about it uh, for Blue Shirt Banter. What what are your takeaways? Yeah, I, I think for that reason, this is one of the most interesting, maybe the most interesting playoff series or play-in series um, that's upcoming because it's just there. It's two teams that play completely different styles and. And those styles kind of play into the weaknesses of the of the opposite team. Yeah. Um, you know, Hurricanes like to get pucks deep. They like to kind of just suffocate the space on the ice in the offensive zone and and, and just force you to make a bad play with the puck. They want to, you know, kind of get you death by a thousand cuts where 
you just can't exit the zone and you're just, you get tired, you know, against their cycle. And, um, whereas the Rangers are kind of a quick strike team, you know, they, they want to get the puck quickly out into the neutral zone. They want their skill players with, speed and, you know, good stick handling. They, they want them to just carry the puck very quickly into the offensive zone and, and get quick strikes. Um, so I, I agree that, you know, the Rangers offensive, um, you know, their top offensive guns, you know, the hurricane style kind of plays into that way that it, it, um, it allows the Rangers to get those transition rushes. And that being said, uh, that only matters as much as, as insofar as how often the Rangers are going to be able to exit their zone, which has been a problem against the Hurricanes, um, because they have a few defensemen, Adam Fox, Tony D'Angelo, who are just incredible at getting the puck out of the zone, um, hitting the outlet passes. But then there are some other defensemen who um, that's an extremely weak part of the game. Um, and I, I think that uh, the Hurricanes are, you know, going to thrive in those situations. Um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, in, the, in these series, you get two teams that kind of play the same way, um, and it becomes a bit of a, a grind. And playoff hockey, playoff hockey is always, you know, fun to the playoffs. But I, I think this series in particular is just it's such an interesting chess match. And I, th- I think uh, it's going to say a lot about both coaches, both coaches' staffs in terms of making adjustments on, on the fly and, you know, kind of just that, that tactical battle. I think it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, and you, you, you bring up the tactical battle, and I think a, a, something that's going to be really important is how the Hurricanes match up against Panarin's line and Zibanejad's line. Uh, yep. Carolina, the Jordan Stahl line is supposed to be the, the shutdown line in that sense, but yep. oftentimes, it, maybe all the time, Panarin and Zibanejad at, at five on five, they 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 pose a challenge on two different lines. So, yeah, how does how do you feel like that's going to shake out? And compared to, you know, the other options that Carolina has, obviously Jordan Stahl can't play yeah. forty minutes a night against uh, both lines. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because of um, I think the injuries to Carolina's defense really that that outlook, not just because, you know, Pesci and Hamilton are two great defensemen, but just the fact that now I think the Rangers, you know, Carolina's going to have to pick their poison, so to speak. You know, you can put out Jacob Slavin against, you know, the, the best player in the league. I always, I, you know, at least the best player, performing player this season was Artemi Panarin, in my opinion. He you is know? our heart. And Slavin, 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 you know, I think if there's one defenseman in the entire league, you want 1v1. It might be Slavin, you know, mm-hmm. but the best, the Rangers' best line this season has been Kreider's advantage of Buchnevich. Um, And so I, I think, you know, talking about tactical battles, I think that's a big one for head coach David Quinn of the Rangers is how often you can get one of his top lines out away from, away from Slavin, you know. Um, I, I think, you know, we'll see what's up with Brady Shea. I think Jake Gardner has the ability within him to be, you know, a good shutdown defenseman, although that hasn't quite worked out this year um, in Carolina. But I think if you're the Rangers, that's something um, I think that's one of their biggest strengths is that, you know, they can keep Panarin and Zibanejad separate. You know, if they're chasing a goal in the final eight minutes of the game, sometimes they'll pair them together, just hoping to just kind of brute force a goal in with talent. But 
the fact that they that you know Panarin can kind of just create his own offense and that allows him to um, create like a more balanced scoring line uh, with the Banish, I think it's a huge. I think that's a problem for sure. I think that's a huge problem for for Rod Brindamore. But um, you know, I, I, it does go go both ways um, with Carolina because, like you said, the Jordan Stall line. You know, that's such a great shutdown line for them. And if they can do that, then I think. If, if they can take on that responsibility, I think that opens up such huge possibilities for um, the Ajo line because I think it's a similar kind of kind of deal where if, uh, you know, Adam Fox is spending so much time dealing with, um, you know, the Jordan Stall line's forecheck, you know, then you can get Sveshnikov and Ajo uh, away from, from him and, the Rangers' top defensemen are great defensemen, but they lack the depth. And so, again, I think that's just such an interesting chess match. Talked about, we talked about Panarin and Zibanejad quite a bit, both now and in a lot of our preview lead-up to this series. Yeah. What about beyond the Panarin and Zibanejad lines? Do you think there's enough depth there? Is there a player that we're not thinking about for the Rangers that has the potential to have a big impact on this series? Yeah, um, you know, it, it's interesting because Kapokako came in with so much hype in, in the season and then uh, it just, it did not go well at all. He was, he just, he had a few, every once in a while, he'd have a shift or maybe even a, a game where you're like, all right, yes, like that's the guy we were, we were looking for. That's the guy that we were expecting in July, last July. But um, for the most part, he just, he struggled immensely. You know, maybe some of it's just, you know, Coach Speak trying to, you know, make him feel good and, and whatever. But, you know, all reports out of, you know, this, this second training camp, so to speak, um, have been that he's, you know, he looks a lot fresher. He he looks like he has renewed confidence in himself. And, you know, last last night's game was an indication. It's just one game, an exhibition game. But, you know, he looked, he looked a lot better. His decision-making was quicker, um, you know, and – he has the talent. There's no doubt about that. He was drafted second overall for a reason. But um, if if he can kind of find that, um, then you know, I, again, I think that that changes everything for the Rangers because uh, as good as those top two lines have been that we just we've talked about, their bottom six has been you know absolutely tragic this season. It's it's been a huge burden, um, and I think they're not in this spot without um, the first line in Panarin. I don't want to say overachieving, but carrying so much of the the water for everyone else. So if they can get the third, if they can get, you know, even just a competent third line, and, and Kako would be a huge part of that. I think um, that could make or break the series. You you mentioned Brady Shea a little bit ago. Of course, we have to talk about that yep. a little bit. Um, yeah. Obviously, that was the kind of the surprise move of of the deadline in a lot of ways. I don't, I don't know how many people foresaw that. Um, yeah. So far, Brady. I mean, he he came over. His first couple of games were were eye popping. You you see his mm. his skating ability, his ability yeah. to move through the neutral zone with the puck. There's a lot of good there that you see, and then you see the other side of Brady Shea in the yeah. defensive zone. So, what were your thoughts on him when he was a Ranger as he came up? Obviously, he came onto the scene and in such a big way. Um, and then yeah. a couple of years later, he got the contract. What are your thoughts on him as a player? Yeah. Uh, 
you know, the last years have been a bit tough. Uh, I, I don't think he was as bad as some people made him out to be. I think it's just kind of a classic situation where expectations were so high that, uh, you know, it, the kind of people overcorrected once, you know, he, he had his flaws and they became exposed. Um, but there, there, there's no doubt, you know, he, um, he was struggling with the Rangers and, you know, some of that's on him, but I think the hurricanes are a much better fit for him. Not just, you know, not just because not just for the sake of a fresh start, but I think specifically the system that yeah. brings more plays is perfect for him because when he was in college at university of Minnesota, you know, his, his deal was kind of like, look, you don't touch the puck. Basically you don't carry the puck through the neutral zone. You, you give it to someone else in our own end and, uh, you know, you're not carrying it beyond beyond the red line, um, you know, middle of the ice. And with the Rangers, they like their defense to jump into to play. They like their de- defensemen to carry the puck into the offensive zone. It's just it's just not his game. You know, in Carolina, I think it's a much better fit where they just want those quick outlets. They're dumping it, you know, in, into the corners, getting the forecheck going, mm-hmm. um, using his using his speed. It's a huge part. His speed, you know, as you said, his skating is incredible. And with the Hurricanes, that's a huge part of uh, what they do with defensemen. You know, I, I, how many defensemen do Carolina have that are kind of just like big lumbering guys yeah. that they want to, you know, just like check in a slot? Like, no, not really. That's not the game. They want defensemen who are quick and close gaps, you know, can, can jump up on the forecheck to close off wingers, um, you know, can, who, can, who can kill on man rushes, you know, by winning puck battle, puck races when it gets to the neutral zone. On transition plays so uh i don't think he's going to be an overnight success necessarily because you know it's going to take some time mm-hmm. to adjust to the system you know so i think long term i think he'll be fine for the hurricanes will he you know will he be ready to make that kind of impact right away in a best of five series after you know just a few games with the team and then a long layoff that's more of a question mark um but you know, again, like his 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 ability is obvious. Yeah. Question's not about um, and the question's not even about him as a person, you know, being a problem in the locker room or or anything like that. It's just kind of he needs the right coach to and in the right system to get the most out of his his strengths. Staying on the blue line, um, I think I think two guys really stand out to me on New York's blue line. And that would be Adam Fox and Tony D'Angelo, just because of how talented mm-hmm. they are. Like you said a little bit yeah. ago, moving the puck up the ice, getting involved in the offensive uh, zone. What kind of impact do you foresee them having, or having? Especially, you know, the the Ranger power play had had a good deal of success against the Hurricanes too, and those two were a very yeah. big reason for that. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, Adam Fox is he's a team member of defenseman, and some of that's some of that's by default just because lack of better options, but he's, you know, I, I think he's a legitimate holder of that title. Um, he's mm-hmm. the number one in the NHL. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I think a lot of people are aware of, you know, the fact that like, Hey, this guy can move the puck. He can score goals. He can make passes, but what's really underrated is his ability um, because you know, he's not the best skater. He's not a huge guy. He's not, um, you know, he's, he's not making these huge checks and, and whatever, but, just he reads the game. He reads the ice so well, and so he can anticipate plays before they're unfolding. Um, 
So, you know, he's, he's not fast on his, on his feet in terms of quick, tish, uh, quick twitch muscles or anything like that, but he's, he's fast in how he reads the game and, re- and reacts to what he's seeing around him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a huge part of this. I'm sure Hurricanes fans aren't thrilled to hear that right now, but <laughs> for a multitude of reasons. But, yeah, that's kind of the reality of it. Um, with D'Angelo, you know, it, it's interesting because he's, he's just so ridiculously talented. And I think offensive, like just pure, purely offensively speaking, you know, the number of defensemen who are better in the NHL, you can probably count on one hand. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that defensively, he struggles immensely. Um, and making matters worse is that Mark Stahl is, you know, his, his opposite on, is on his pairing. And it's kind of their, their weaknesses play into each other's in just a very bad way that can just lead to some really ugly situations because Stahl, you know, he thinks the game well, but he just, his feet aren't what they used to be. And D'Angelo has good feet, but he can't read and anticipate plays um, and execute his assignments well. And so I think what the Hurricanes are going to to do is they're going to dump the puck to Stahl's side because uh, he struggles at getting the puck out of the zone. And once they're in there, you know, D'Angelo isn't particularly helpful um, if the puck's not on his stick. So it's it's an interesting dynamic because in so many ways, he's, you know, maybe better than anyone in the league, the guy who can unlock the Hurricanes forecheck if he's the one who's retrieving the puck in the corner um, and, and making, you know, the quick exits. Or, you know, even he has the speed to, to carry the puck past forecheckers himself and, you know, kind of become the fourth forward on transition rushes. But if he's not physically carrying the puck, you know, he has a liability in the defensive zone. So on one hand, he has so much potential to be a nightmare for the Hurricanes. But on the other hand, I think there are a lot of ways the Hurricanes can exploit that pairing and and D'Angelo's weaknesses to make sure he's not in position to make the plays he wants to and and where he's forced to defend. The other big storyline that's pretty much always been there in any Hurricanes Rangers game or series now is the goaltending I think me Mm -hmm. saying the word Henrik Lundqvist on this podcast will be enough to make a lot of Canes fans wake up in a cold sweat later tonight but (laughs) seems like he's not the guy going into the series it seems like it's going to be Shesterkin which yeah. goalie do you think gives the Rangers the best chance in this series against the Hurricanes? And if, you know, a guy like Shesterkin starts the series and has, say, a bad game one, how long of a leash yep. do you think he has with Lundqvist mm-hmm. sitting right there in his history, both in the postseason and against the Hurricanes? Yeah, it's it's a bit of an a bit of an interesting situation because I think on any reasonable NHL team, Lundqvist would be the starter right now. The Rangers just kind of happen to be the, you know, the one team that have, you know, the guy who might be, you know, if not the best young goaltender in the league, then, you know, at least in the, in the argument, you know. So with them, I think, I think you know, they, they think Shesterkin's played a bit better recently. And then, you know, if, there, if a tiebreaker was needed, you know, it's just the fact that, like, look, this is this is your guy long term. You want to get him 
the games now. You want to put him in these high-pressure situations. You want to test him. Um, so, yeah, it, by all indications, he's he's the guy right now. But um, like you said, um, you know, one bad game, especially, you know, if the Rangers lose game one, you know, and they get poor goaltending, like now you need to win uh, three or four, right? Uh, your margin for error has significantly decreased. And Lundqvist may not be the guy he was in his prime, but he's still a damn good goaltender. And he's still a guy who is going to elevate his game in high-pressure situations, you know. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it'd be quite easy to see uh, the Rangers turning to him in, the, in that situation. Um, now, and I, wrote the, I wrote about this, but the one thing I think Shesterkin offers the Rangers, particularly against the Hurricanes, that kind of could be a, you know, an extractor of sorts, is that he is so good at playing the puck um and against a dumping team like the hurricanes like that's you know that's their bread and butter is the hurricanes is they you know they want they want to send the puck behind the net they want jordan stall and and, and uh you know terabine and, and niederreiter to go chase the pucks in those battles um a guy like shesterkin if he one is you know as great as he is at pretty much everything in life uh, <laughs> one thing he's not so good at is one thing he's not so good at is coming out and playing the puck um so I, I think, you know, that's kind of a little quirk that uh, Shesterkin offers the Rangers is that, you know, once the Hurricanes dump the puck in, you know, if it goes into the trapezoid, he's a he's a guy who can who can come out and kind of um, expedite the the zone exit to the Rangers before the Hurricanes can set up in their in their forecheck. Um, so I, I think that's definitely an X factor that. Um, you know, you could even see it in, in the one game Shesterkin started against the Hurricanes right before the season was canceled. You could see that the Hurricanes were kind of doing a lot of these soft dumps into the corner, which is fine. But, you know, it was very clear that they were, you know, realizing, like, all right, like, this goal is going to play the puck if you get the opportunity. So we got to limit those opportunities. Um, so I, I think if you're, if you're uh, the Rangers, anything you're forcing the Hurricanes to change and how they're playing is a, is a win for you. Um, and so I, I think Shesterkin's ability to kind of get in their heads and, and play the puck when he needs to could, could um, you know, in, in a short series where there's so thin margins, that could that could make a break. Well, you're looking at the fan side of this, too. I know when things first started coming out about the potential format and then that it was the format that the Canes would have to play the Rangers, you know, from yeah. Canes fans, it was like, Seriously, of course, just our luck. We draw the Rangers, yeah. the team that dominates us. Was it the opposite yeah. from Rangers fans? Was it like, oh, hell yeah, we're getting the Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. We own them. This is a good matchup for us. Like, kind of what was the – what's their feeling about this that you've seen? Yeah, um, you know, it's I, – I think I'll, – I'll put it this way, that if, if there was a – if the Rangers had to face a team that's good – the Hurricanes maybe offer a more favorable matchup than other teams, but you know it, it's it, you look at you look at the playoff format and you know it, it's hard to believe sometimes I even forget. But the Rangers, I, I believe they were seventh in the NHL this year in, in regulation wins. I think that number is right. They were certainly top ten. Um, so the Rangers, the Rangers, you know, I think kind of both Carolina and the Rangers kind of got a bit. Uh, screwed here because I mean you know before the shutdown the Hurricanes were well on their way to clinching a playoff spot rather easily um, you know and I, I think they would have ended up facing a team that's worse than the Rangers are 
you know, and, and for the Rangers, um, you know, I, I think again, they deserve an opponent not as good as the Hurricanes are. And I, I think if the season had not stopped, the Rangers were trending up. Um, I think that's how it would have played out where both teams were getting a bit more favorable matchups. Um, that being said, you know, like I said, yes, the, the history of it has gone the Rangers way. Um, it certainly could have been worse. Uh, you know, they were one seed lower they're playing Pittsburgh. Uh, but, but um, yeah, like, I, I think, it, I just think it's going to be such a fun matchup, you know, um, and I think the Hurricanes maybe have more to lose because the Rangers are kind of playing with house house money right now. Whereas the Hurricanes, like I said, like they were well on their way to not only making the playoffs, but I think, you know, maybe they're not a contender in the way as St. Louis is, you know, but I, I think they're in the mix. You know, I don't think it'd be a, I don't think it would be some sort of stunner if they, if they made a run, you know, again this year. So yeah, I don't look like, I know a lot of Rangers fans were saying like, oh, like the Hurricanes are scared of us. Like when the team, when the team was complaining about the format, but like, I think it's a perfectly legitimate, right. You know? So <laughs> believe me, I, I totally get it from the Carolina perspective. Before, before we say goodbye, we have to drag a prediction out of you for the series. Yeah. Five game series. Adam, I think it's, what's yeah. going to happen. I think it's going to be tight. Um, I have picked the Rangers in five, but that's only after learning about the injury to, to Dougie Hamilton. If he's able to return anytime soon, uh, he's just so good, and I think he tilts tilts everything in the Hurricanes' favor. But I think one way or the other, you know, I'm expecting our Rangers goalie to steal one game somewhere <laughs> in the series or three. Um, yeah, well, yeah, look, <laughs> it could easily play out like that for sure. But I just I see the Hurricanes as a really good team, but I think the Rangers have, I think the Rangers' top players. And I'm, I'm not just talking top two because I know Ottawa, especially Oliver, is unbelievable. But I just think if you're going five, six deep, I think the Rangers have more guys who can kind of break a stalemate on their own, whereas mm-hmm. the Hurricanes are the better team. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a close series one way or the other. But I, I have Rangers eking it out in five right now. Rangers in five. All right. We'll take that. We'll, we'll accept that. Um, <laughs> Adam, thank you so much for being here. Again, follow... Adam on Twitter, Adam Z Herman, A D A M Z H E R M A N. Follow Blue Shirt Banter on Twitter as well. Read the site. Uh, Adam, you just wrote about the systematic matchup between the Hurricanes and the Rangers. Thank you for being on here, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Happy to do it anytime. Thank you again to Adam Herman, uh, Blue Shirt Banter. Um, definitely go follow him on Twitter. Uh, and and read his stuff. He's really good, and uh, he's really smart, and he knows what he's talking about. We're going to transition from that to really a, a look at all the series. And you know what? Let's we're just going to have a good time, and we're just going to rapid fire predictions of these series. And then at the very end, we'll give you our Hurricanes Rangers predictions. Yeah, it probably won't be as entertaining as Ryan's baseball predictions, but oh, we'll God. do our best. Yeah. I tried to wash that from my memory, um, but thank you for reminding me of that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll do all the series and then we'll end with Hurricanes Rangers. Adam predicted Rangers in five. I started the Western Conference. The number five seeded Edmonton Oilers against the number twelve seeded Chicago Blackhawks. Andrew. 
This one's a little bit interesting because you can definitely see a scenario. I mean, like, Chicago has no business being in the postseason. Let's get that out of the way first. But oh, no. you can see a scenario where over five games where they've still got their cup core of Kane, Taves, Keith, Crawford, and some other, you know, good talent and guys like Alex Debrinkit and Brandon Saad. Like, Chicago's got the horses to take over back. three out of five games. But I'm still going to go with Edmonton. I mean, I think McDavid and Dreisaitl, especially on different lines, I mean, that that's just overwhelming with their high-end skill. I know Crawford has been out for a while because he had COVID. I know he's back, but if he's rusty and the Oilers goalies are ready to go, that could be a factor. I just, I, I got to go with Edmonton. But if there's a place where one of the lowest seeds could beat one of the highest seeds. I think this is it. Mm-hmm. They also have the 45 year old rookie of the year finalist, Dominic Kubalik. So, Oh, that's right. Who has <laughs> absolutely no, no shot at winning it over Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes. My fa- Yeah. My favorite thing about the college discussion was arguing over who's third. It's like you, as if there's any shot that any, any guy, uh, it, as if it even matters uh, who's third because it's a two-person race. It doesn't matter. Um, I think you might get a like a. I mean, I think there might be a bonus in the entry-level contracts for being a oh, finalist for an award. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I'm just talking from fan discourse over. Oh, no, yeah. this person should have been third. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm also going to go with the uh, with the Oilers. I just the Blackhawks. I mean, I don't know. That's that's really that's my analysis. All right, Nashville, Arizona. I almost said Phoenix. Nashville, Arizona, Predators. Phoenix, that's been a minute. Yeah. The Preds, the Yotes. So here's an up this is I think this is gonna be an upset pick for me. I like I think there's a lot to like on both of these teams, is but your upset I think that, Arizona... uh John Shika will be in the bubble. Is that what you're gonna say? Uh, no, I do not believe that there is any chance that John Chica will be in the the bubble. Like a million uh, to one. Probably pretty long. I'd put a dollar on it. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, you you got him at that point. But, no, I'm going Coyotes. I think they're a team that has struggled to score this year, but they certainly have the potential to be able to with guys like Taylor Hall and Bill Kessel and maybe time off does them good. And I also think that they're, they've got the better goaltending with being able to choose between a guy like Antti Ranta and Darcy Kemper. I think Pekka has really struggled this year. It'll be interesting to see with, if Nashville goes with him or UC Soros, but I like Arizona to advance here. Mm. I was hoping you'd pick Nashville so I could be the one that'd be like, no, Arizona. But yeah, I, I, think, I think I'm also picking Arizona. I like Arizona more in a lot of ways. Obviously, Nashville's the proven commodity. Uh, that that group has has had success. They've they've been to a Cup final. They've made long playoff runs. I don't know. I feel like this is this is one of those places where some time off. You're coming back with Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel and Clayton Keller, and you're you have a shot. I like the goalies more. Like you said, I'm also picking Arizona. Moving on to Vancouver, Minnesota, Minnesota, the the seven ten matchup. Vancouver was in a playoff spot when the season ended, which some people might not might not have known. Yeah, this is another spot where I'm tempted to go with the veteran team in Minnesota and a team in Minnesota too that's gotten really good goaltending all season. 
But I don't know. I, I love the all the young talent that they have in Vancouver with guys like Elias Pettersson and Bo Horvat and Brock Bezer and uh, apparently JT Miller is like really really good now scoring 70 points that's a thing um and then obviously you've got Quinn Hughes who has just had a phenomenal season and has carried that blue line this is another series that I think is really tough to pick but I'm gonna go with Vancouver uh the 8-9 Calgary Winnipeg another really tough one a lot of firepower on these teams with guys like Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monahan, uh, old friend Elias Lindholm. Then, of course, you go over to Winnipeg and you've got, you know, Patrick Laine, Kyle Connor, Mike, Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers, Blake Wheeler. Um, Winnipeg's defense is definitely not what it used to. It used to be I would give the edge to Calgary there. But I think Winnipeg gets the edge in overall forward depth and just wealth of really good options. And I think with Connor Hellebuyck, they have a lot better goaltending. I'm going Winnipeg in this one. I'm going Winnipeg, too. Uh, I'm almost totally split on these two teams. But Connor Hellebuyck is the, the difference. I think he's he's going to be the the deciding factor there. So I'm, I'm taking Winnipeg as well. We have, to, we have to make different picks eventually. I really thought I was going to be making a different pick with the Arizona one. But you, you beat me to it. Um, I actually like that one a lot. I do too. <laughs> um, to the east, let's uh, let's start at the top. Pittsburgh, Montreal. It's the five twelve round. I don't think our predictions are going to vary here. No, Montreal is pretty much the poster child for like why are we doing this with the five yeah. twelve and Pitt- Pittsburgh's just so much better. They've they're healthy. They've got all their guys. Plus, what's hilarious to me is people keep like arguing, like, "Oh, it's not fair. Pittsburgh has to play a five-game series that you know, Carey Price could steal and they'd be done." And if you look at him these days, I'm like, "Yeah, if Carey Price can suddenly morph back from like giving up four goals a game to like Vezina Trophy form, then yeah, I could see that happening." But I don't, and I think the Penguins win it in three fairly easily. Yeah, this is. I mean, Pittsburgh's gonna win. Skipping over a certain series we'll get to in a second. We're on to the 7-10 matchup. The New York Islanders and the Florida Panthers. I'm pretty excited for this series. These two played, um, was it 2016? They played a really exciting first round series when Florida, the year that Florida won the Atlantic Division, I think. I'll take your word for it. Double overtime or something like I that. I remember but... that. I remember the double overtime goal being scored. Was it Josh Bailey? I think it was. Yeah, okay. Anyway. This is an interesting one because you've got a team like Florida with a lot of young talent and firepower with guys like Barkov and Huberto and Hoffman um, and, you know, a couple old friends and Eric Halla and Lucas Walmark, who I think could are, are suited very well to playoff hockey. But Sergei Bobrovsky has been a disaster. very ungood since signing that massive contract. And before the Tampa Bay series last year, we all he never really had a propensity for picking up his game in the playoffs. 
and the Islanders have some pretty good goaltending with Semyon Varlamov and Thomas Grice and play a really good team defense under Barry Trotz that's very well suited to playoff hockey, I'm going to go with the Islanders here. Yeah, I think I have to go with the Islanders too. I'd like to pick the Panthers, but I just I don't believe in it. Um, the Panthers are a lot more fun, but... yeah. So, yeah, I'm taking the Islanders. As, as much as I'd like to see Lucas Walmark have a big series. You know what? I predicted Lucas Walmark will have a big series, but it won't be enough. Islanders in four. Anyway. Toronto, Columbus, the 8-9 game. Yeah, at first glance, you look at this, you want to pick Toronto. You look at all that they have up front with guys like Matthews and Tavares and Marner and Nylander. But that core has not been able to get it done in the playoffs. Columbus has kind of just hung around all year. You know, we, we talked about awards. I said that I would give John Tortorella the Jack Adams award for what he's been able to get yeah. out of this group. It's like they've had like, okay, this injury, they're done now. They're going to fade. Never really did. Hung around the playoff all year. They play a very tough, tenacious style of game. They've gotten very good goaltending this year from Elvis Merzlikens, I think is how you mm-hmm. say that, and Corpusalo. They've got a good defensive group. They've got some guys up front who can make some stuff happen, you know, guys like Cam Atkinson, Gustav Nyquist. This is a tough one. I think i got to go Columbus here, though. Okay. Um, I'm right down the middle with this one. And we've picked the same teams on every series, so I'm taking Toronto. I like, I you know, it's Toronto. You know what Toronto has. They have a whole lot of skill, and it's just about putting it together when it matters. And obviously the start of the season did not go very well. Um, Sheldon Keefe has come in, though, and he's he's done a really good job of, of riding the ship there. I like Toronto. And now the final prediction, the one that – we're most interested in New York Rangers, Carolina Hurricanes, the six eleven game. Who wins? Who advances to the first round of the playoffs? Even though this is kind of the first round of the playoffs, but the real first round of the playoffs, Andrew. Oh man, this is so tough. I would feel a lot better if the Hurricanes had what they expected to have at the start of camp with a fully healthy Dougie Hamilton going into this series. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hope that they can get him back after a game or two. I think it's going to go five, and I think when you get to that decisive game, the Hurricanes' experience with in the playoffs, especially with guys like Jordan Stahl and Justin Williams, who have a lot more experience than just last year, is going to come through. I think the, the thing about the season series is if you look at it is like a lot of the Rangers games, the hurricanes were the better team yeah. and just ran into a hot goalie and or made a bunch of dumb mistakes that cost them the game. I think if they can limit those in this and get to their game, their possession, their forecheck, they can really make life difficult on the Rangers defense. And I think this is going to be a very, Tense, very tight, very entertaining series, but I'm going to go Hurricanes in five. Okay, I'm going to. Get, I'm. You know what? Uh, I'm. I feel like every everyone who predicts this series is saying five, and I agree, and I get it. 
I'm going to go Hurricanes in four. I think that they are going to win the series in four games. Obviously, a big part of this is Martin Natchez and Dougie Hamilton coming back. If they do, then I feel even better about it. If they don't, then I'm uh, I'm not feeling very good about this pick. With I think James Reimer is going to have a really good series. I think that he's really the perfect guy in net for 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 the Hurricanes in this. Um, I think he's his ability to slow things down and you know get whistles when they need them. Uh, it, uh, that's huge against the Rangers because they're so fast. They're such a good transition team, and um, you know I, I I really like. We talked about it earlier with the Washington exhibition game. Uh, Trocheck had a great game against Washington. If that's a sign of things to come, and you're talking about Aho Trocheck stall down the middle, that's that's deep, man. That's that's a really good core of centers. Morgan Geeky played well, um, also. I, I like how Carolina's looking uh, down the middle. Defensively, I, I like Vatanen. Um, I think that he has the potential to be an impact on the power play. Uh, I thought Jake Gardner played well in in that game against Washington. He got kind of caught in the middle on a two-on-one. Uh, should he have broken up the pass? Maybe. Um, but I thought he played well. Um, and obviously... Uh, we talked about with Edmondson and, and Flurry. Uh, we think Flurry should get the call. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Carolina in four, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw an additional prediction at you. Um, I think Trocheck's gonna score three goals in the series. I could see that. Like, just not even so much that it, he ended up scoring the goal, but just the way he played, you kind of get the sense that. He's a gamer for the playoffs in a way. Well, and a lot of things that people have talked about on Twitter too are just like the way he's engaging with fans both online and in person. Like he seems really happy to be here. Yeah. I I think. I I mean, Florida loved him for that too. Well, and you talk about down the middle. Like if you're getting anything close to the Trocheck that was, you know, scored three goals in his best days in Florida. Plus, if you look at the Rangers, like you've got advantage ad, but after that, your number two center is Ryan Strom. Like, yeah. So the, it, it's weird after all those years to talk about the Hurricanes having a decided advantage down the middle over somebody else, but like that's kind of I think true. That's, I think that's in my mind when you're when you're putting Aho Trocheck stall down the middle. That's, I mean, that I think that makes the difference for me in the series. I, I, I like Carolina's depth um, a little bit more than New York's, um, and I think Trocheck's yeah. going to be an X factor. And the thing with Trocheck is, you know, we talk about how, like, you know, several years ago he he scored thirty goals. Since then, he's been he's run into injury problems. He's had issues staying healthy. He's never really had a chance to regain that form. And he just turned 27 a month ago. So this guy, I mean, he's not an, an older guy on the wrong side of 30 or anything. Um, I think that he'll have a really strong series. I think he's going to score three goals. There you go. And uh, I think the Hurricanes are going to win in four. There you have it. Yeah. Don't don't come back to me when the Rangers win three. All right? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear God, it. God, please. Could you imagine? Uh, no, because I don't want to go... Like, I want, like, at least a couple more weeks of doing, like, actual hockey 
on the ice content. I don't want to go back yeah. to like, here's, you know, top 10, whatever stuff like that. Those are, I mean, those are loser like, columns. Those are, those are loser columns. Right. I mean, like those are fine and fun. And like, obviously we all had to do them during yeah, yeah, of course. the pause, but like, let's play for a little bit now. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're on the same page there. Um, Man, there's a lot of stuff in this week's podcast. Um, let's say thank you one more time to Adam Herman. Definitely. For for joining awesome. us. He was, he was great. Uh, really good insight from him. Adam Z. Herman on Twitter and Blue Shirt Banter. I think that's a podcast. Uh, thank you very much for, for joining us this week as we get ready for the first round of the playoffs, uh, in a sense, the playing round. Round zero. Round zero. <laughs> Uh, Andrew, where can the the people follow you on Twitter, and only Twitter? <laughs> at a s c h n i t t five three. You can follow me at Brett underscore finger. You can follow Canes Country at Canes Country. You can read all the things on the site, CanesCountry.com. There's so much going on there. A lot of good stuff. Read it. Check it out. Um, you can subscribe. Follow the podcast on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to the Canes Country Podcast. Rate, review, again, follow, subscribe, uh, keep up to date with us, and we will keep you up to date next week, at which point the Hurricanes would have played three or four games already. It's entirely possible that when we record next week, the series will be decided. it's, it's, It's entirely possible, and regardless of what happens, we'll talk to you next Friday. Goodbye.